Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Full service radio. Hi, everyone. You're listening to District Durkas live from the Line Hotel. This is Full Service Radio. So, a Durka from Yemen, that's me, Sema, and a Durka from Algeria, that's Lilia. Aloha. We live in the District of Columbia, and we get together every week to decipher the Middle Eastern experience in the capital of the United States. Our topics include feminism, sexism, terrorism, absolutism, atheism, monotheism, socialism, etc., and all the prisms and schisms in between. And our subject for this week are American customs, traditions that made us raise an eyebrow maybe laugh maybe something that threw scratch, us off you know scratch our head upon arrival or you know after these many years reflecting on what we think is different so we are using an anthropological approach to div- to understand the culture yes in the united states yes and, and we have some findings neither one of us is an anthropologist <laughs> and disclaimer <laughs> And neither one of us, we won't have the same approach since my exposure to the United States was, I I would say it was kind of a little bit of a shock. I was just thrown into it. I didn't really have a lot of expectations. So I don't know if my findings would be similar to yours. Well, I don't know. Me, it really starts with the greeting. Hello? The the greeting culture, yes. Oh, the kissing on the cheeks kind of thing? Well, that's that's what we do. It's two kisses on the cheeks yeah. but here it's this hugging thing so that was always really awkward because I never understood how a culture that has so much stress on personal space and boundaries is all about hugging but that kissing really is, threw but me it off. depends you know like uh, is kissing more intimate than hugging yeah that's the thing I'm saying from my perspective I was like well you want your space but then you're invading mine you're pressing your body against me we don't know each other so but it should the- be a high five I don't know what it should be, but the hugging was kind of a, a mind F to me. Like, the, all this hugging. Why are we hugging? I still, you still don't do hugs. This no, is a I disclaimer do to everyone. You don't hug Lilia. She, she just doesn't like. And, and, you know, sometimes I do it for fun. I don't do hugging. The other greeting thing that really, really always leaves me in a kind of existential fright is what's up. When I came here and people asked me what's up, I had no idea what to say. It's like, what do you sh- say? Should I pull out my progress sheet of do you know what how I my do? life's going right now? Um, well, at first, I was 16, so I thought it was very smart saying, like, this guy is up, like, whatever. That's, that's what you would say. I, I mean, I, to this day, when somebody goes, like, what's up? I'm like, super awkward. I'm good. How about you? <laughs> that always made me feel awkward or, like, what's going on? It's like, what are we supposed to say? What's so much pressure? Like, we're just running into each other. That's what we're doing. That's what's up. Like, there's nothing else. So I think that's, again, you know, when we take this anthropological approach that we are not very familiar with, we have to kind of take into consideration that we are in Washington, D.C., which is somewhat a melting pot. And it doesn't necessarily represent all of America because in other places it'd be different. Yeah, cause, but what's up? Like is pretty I, I always hear about universal. how the South would, you know, the South of the United States would resemble the Middle East more in terms of traditions. And so for me, I mean, 
I, I get the whole greeting thing, but I come from a place where the kissing on the cheeks is not allowed between men and women. So, you know, hugging, kissing on the cheeks, whatever it is, you know, you want to keep that physical distance. And so one of the things, you know, had I not been exposed to Europe and other countries, I would feel that this constant hanging out with friends is a little uh, strange, <laughs> to say the least, of like men and women hanging out together. But one of the things that surprised me right away in the United States is that you don't refer to adults as aunt and uncle. You call them by their first name. And I really struggled with it because if I meet someone, they're like, oh, this is my mom, you know, insert name here. You know, let's say my mom is called, oh, this is Beth. And she'd be like, hey, and you're supposed to be like, hey, Beth, what, what's, you know, what's good? How are you? And I always struggled with that because I felt like I was disrespecting the person, especially if they're a parent, to a, a colleague or a friend by calling them with their first name. And I think that like says something about the culture here in terms of respect as a whole. And there's no um, formula of politeness. Like in French, you have how you address like a person that you're plural. familiar with. And then, yes, and then there's the polite plural, which so doesn't exist. It's always you here. So we do really it in, in Yemen in Arabic. We actually refer to adults as they. And so a lot of times I struggled when I would speak about an elder, you know, in English, I would refer to them as they. Like, for example, my grandmother is a plural Uh, you know, we don't say she, it would be my grandmother went to the store and then they did this. And so when I do it in English, people would be like, are you, are you all right? You know, why is your grandmother suddenly they, and it's Pronouns. kind of strange, you know, it exists in Spanish and French, yeah. you know, ustedes, usted. Yeah. And then, um, there's no equivalent in the English language. So it's super casual, but at the same time, like going back to the small talk, which gave me a lot of troubles. Now I feel like America is so great with the small talk. Like now, if you master it, oh, it's, it's so hard easy. to translate. It's How's so the easy, weather? You know, so yeah, it's, it's so sunny. It out may be today. casual, but it's coded just at the, at the same time that nothing you can like smooth over the awkward all the time. It's going on. Hey, what's up? Whatever. Like, and never talk about anything. Exactly. Which is terrifying at first, but then it's like, oh, so. So I, I still haven't mastered that yet. You know, I, yeah. I come in intense and I come in hot. And I think it's because whenever anybody's doing a little talk, I, it's little talk. I don't waste my time on it. You know, we're either talking or we're not. But it's nice. It's just you're not expected to actually say what's up, what's up, what's up. You're actually supposed to say that other phrase. So, so why put the effort? Because it's nice. And that's kind of also like going, What if you're going nice? through the list. Like, I think this can be found in service here. Yeah. Where when you go into a shop and someone like accosts you and says, you know, how, how are you? How's your day going? How can I help? My name is so-and-so, uh, you know, let me know if you need anything. And it's like, yo, get a life, get off my case. Can I browse? But then when you get used to that and you understand the codes, it becomes weird when you're in Europe and nobody's paying attention. Nobody's helping you. Nobody cares that you're there unless they notice that you're Durka and then they follow you around. So the first instinct when they did that here is like, am I like, you know, why, why are they hawking me? And then you understand, oh, this is just the way they've coded. That's attention. That's customer service. Yes. And on the subject of customer service, I think that when I tried to understand American culture, I didn't realize at first that a lot of it is about capitalism. And I think in that regard, I'm going to be clearer by saying that there are a lot of holidays that Americans celebrated. And the celebrations include buying a lot of merchandise and um, going out. And I think one of the holidays that never made sense to me in America, 
but is definitely part of a capitalist, you know, like this is what capitalism would love to see, is uh, Cinco de Mayo, which is the Mexican Independence Day, but not really, because the Mexican Independence Day was not even in May, it was in July. And it's something that Americans celebrate for some reason, even though they don't necessarily all feel good about Mexicans being their neighbors and are not all kind to them. But nonetheless, they celebrate Cinco de Mayo, and it's all about going out, drinking, and purchasing things. And that kind of holiday is, is a little odd to me because it has nothing to do with the nation or the religion. And it just is, I, I think it's a celebration of consumerism. And then it started to kind of dawn on me that, you know, in America, this is kind of part of a trend. You know, the idea of having to buy things to celebrate something is essential. Well, I think that trend has contaminated or... I mean, I don't see it necessarily like the capitalism. I feel like we're all capitalistic in our pursuits. Like, we all like to buy things. Like, this is... The ship has sailed. It's like in the structures. I mean, but, to developed countries. But think of developing countries. They don't I mean, have, you still have the privilege to, to do that. Yeah, but you still have to buy. Like, if you celebrate, you still have to buy whatever it is that you need to, to celebrate. Whether you're, you know, buying food or, like, new clothes or whatever. There's also... Sure. There's always the idea of... But the celebration itself would have roots like unless in your you're a culture monk in a or monastery, your and then you're not buying anything but incense and, and, and prayers. But usually, no. I mean, I understand the capitalist pursuit being, you know, something that other cultures do. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, how how Cinco de Mayo. But American? I hear you on that. It's incongruously like celebrated. Most people don't know what it's about, and it's become just a drinking fest I mean that's another Which, thing the harm? about DC I think Except there's for the excessive liver. drinking involved in every social gathering but that I get it's a bit like that other one the green one the one with the leprechauns Irish Which one like Patrick yeah. Saint Patrick so I get that well, the one that is a little do you bit do hear that Americans it's Saint Patrick <laughs> the one that stings a little it's Thanksgiving he's a saint to me. you know I mean you celebrate a saint by drinking yeah, to death yeah, and by course. bar crawls It's, it's almost like an oxymoron. It's, it's fantastic. Not, guess whose blood turned to wine? Exactly. Yeah, but not from drinking wine. Exactly. But not How from you know? drinking wine. Well, I'm Jesus sure there was wine was on that table. But I mean, but that's the thing. It, Would Jesus object to people drinking wine as a symbol to cannibalism? There's drinking a bracelet for that. And that's, that's also a thing that shocked me when I came here. The bracelet, what would Jesus do? I don't know. I've seen that in, in Arab Dude, countries with Arab what? presidents. What? I've seen the same, you know, the one with the, with the saints, and it would be photos of the president all around, and I'm just yeah, like, yeah, but okay. I wasn't ready for that level of being religious. Like, as a bracelet, like, casual, I think compared at the to, supermarket, to Europe, we'll yeah. those, like, gumball machines, you can get, like, a little bracelet. What would Jesus do? I didn't understand. I thought it was ironic, but it wasn't. Well, that's the thing. I think coming from a religious place, I think that the, that the media doesn't portray the level of American religiosity correctly to the rest of the world. I think Americans are conservative. They have values. I mean, I was recently watching a CNN interview, and it was uh, the character from Big Bang Theory, the main guy, who is really odd in the show, and he's, I mean, I don't, I don't even watch the Big Bang Theory, but... Um, it's the main guy and he's kind of like nerdy and goofy but in real life he's gay and he's from Texas and he's talking that even though he is gay he's talking about how he's still conservative in the sense that the most important value to himself is family value and even though he's gay and in a sense portrayed as liberal it was really important to him to get married and to you know kind of continue that structure that he grew up in and I think that's something that 
TV doesn't translate to the rest of the world. I mean, America can be a cultural shock when it's portrayed as ABC. You know, all you see are music videos and movies that have nothing to do with reality. They're just really entertainment. While in the Middle East, I think some people look at these things and they think that's how it is in America and they try to replicate versions of these shows and these video clips to kind of, you know, participate in the global, what they think is part of like a dominance um, lifestyle, right? Yeah. So if America is doing that, they want to imitate it. But they don't know about promise rings that they don't know about. And I like how I Britney Spears was a virgin and Christina Aguilera wasn't and therefore she was shunned and, and burned at the stake. They don't know about this is actually this registers. I think they might know about the, that actually. In the American <laughs> consciousness. Now that's like something that shocked me too is like why do we care if someone had sex or not? Like I wasn't expecting this in the US I thought you know they had See, gone as, past as it. a human it's way more Puritan than I expected really because I think it makes absolute sense right like here we are looking at other cultures you know this is from the American I'm wearing my American hat here we're looking at other cultures and we're calling them out on their tribalism and we're calling them out on these attitudes yet something very like something very real about it is happening here in the US I mean the term tribalism is being thrown around in politics so mm -hmm. hard and everything about Trump right now and his administration and the way that the Republican Party is is kind of um, moving forward has all these elements of cohesiveness that only exist in tribes. And it says something about humans innately. We didn't get rid of these things. We only made them look different. And I think that's the thing about I America. I think we got rid of this thing and maybe Trump is has to be trumped for us to, you know, bury it but it's not just Finally, Trump. he's the last hooray of whatever that was it's not just Trump. And, and talking about him and the way he speaks like everything is great everything is big that's also um something that is interesting about the cultural language the linguistics there's a lot of superlatives so a, everything is great everything is awesome everything is amazing and that's And also that's in the greeting like when someone is like hey sama you're looking great you look awesome blah 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 like That made me pause, that made me skeptical for a bit. It's like, I know it's cool, but it's not that cool. Because when you come from like a European perspective or Algerian, like you, it's a little bit more toned down. Like sarcasm yeah. is more of a thing. But now I actually embrace it. I like that. I like being able to pay a compliment and mean it and be, you know, with a hyperbole. Sure. But that's definitely something that I find here that you don't find anywhere else, where everything is fantastic and spectacular. It's the world's best circus, and it wasn't. That circus that I went to a few years ago that claimed to be the world's best wasn't. But here you can say shit like that. Yeah, I know. But that's, <laughs> I mean, you're saying something about Americans inherently, right? And I think that translates when I look at American children and the way that they're raised. And the fact that I wasn't raised here, that I'm able to kind of feel like I'm missing out on this sense of, you know, children are constantly rewarded and they're constantly being told that they're great and they're fantastic and, you know... That's they, communist things. Like but it's everybody's kind of, the same. But it, no, Commies. what I mean is that they don't want them to all be the same. They want all their children to be achievers and they want them all to be rewarded even though they didn't do anything to be rewarded for. That's harsh, man. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's very real. Like you raise children telling them that they deserve all these great things that they didn't really work for. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Like the French system made me question everything. Yes. Even myself to the point of like, this is not productive. And when I came here and I saw people saying the dumbest shit, but with so much confidence, 
I was astounded because eventually when you get the knowledge but they're not preparing them and you for have life. the confidence that's what makes you like on top of everybody else because no. eventually the knowledge you, you catch <laughs> no, up no, no. I think I think they're they're setting them up they're setting them up for a point in their lives where they will be shocked and they will see that life is not that and they won't be handed things out of nowhere and then they, they'll they also work hard it's not like not people all of them we're again There's i'm talking an, about the dc experience we're talking about effort. a bunch of trust fund babies you know um, like well about the education i remember being in brussels and i had this american teacher from florida her name was miss deruder and uh, she always told us about the alligators coming to her garden but the point is she was the only one who had a reward system and it really made us excel in english because she gave us those stickers like it i'm not worked. saying don't reward people i'm saying reward people or something. I, I don't think we were building pyramids, but the reward really made us want it more. Okay, so just on that note, the people who it. built pyramids were not rewarded. So just just an FYI. But I'm just okay. So talking about schools, another very shocking American thing to me. And before I jump into that, I just want to say that I always really relate to older people in the United States, like people 50 plus, 60 plus, preferably. And it's kind of odd, but it's because I always find that my experience in Yemen as like a person who's like in her late 20s uh, is very similar to the experience of Americans who are in their like 50s. And I feel like, oh, yeah, I can relate to this experience that you had. And by that, I mean that the stuff that I witnessed and lived in Yemen might be comparable to what they lived. But like decades ago, like we just haven't established this level of modernity. And one of these things was that, for example, in school, the teachers are to have the utmost respect. And by that, when, you, when you're a student in Yemen, or I guess in the older United States, in my imagination, you would go to school and you would sit and you have to respect your teacher. You can't interrupt them. You can't talk without permission. I feel like Catholic schools kind of still uphold that a little bit. But I know, for example, from my personal experiences that I had to raise a hand or a finger before I ask a question or make a comment. And my first exposure to an American education was actually in the Netherlands, in Holland. And I remember in math class, the teacher posted an equation on the board and I knew the answer and nobody else knew the answer. And I kept on raising my hand and my finger and the entire class thought I was weird. And then the teacher pointed at me and he goes like, Sama, go. And I immediately stood up and shot up because when a teacher addresses you, you're supposed to stand up out of respect and I just I you know while I was answering the mathematical equation I saw all the students around me thinking what the hell is she doing you know why is she standing up while talking to the teacher why is she raising her hand I mean I, I don't think I felt like a freak like that for a long time uh, but I mean I kind of just never understood how like the, the other students in class like would laugh and joke with the teacher as, as if they're on the same yeah. level. And they participate. They're on the same level. They're all humans. They participate. Participation was a big deal. You're not, you have to really think before you raise that hand in the French system because whatever you say will be demolished, deconstructed, and you'll be sent back home with annotations. I love the French based but, on your description of them. But, but here, based on my own experience, I, I don't know. But at university here, whatever you say, they're like, yeah, I can see how in that context this can be interesting. Going back to your comment about how people who were rewarded didn't build pyramid, do you think that's why they call it a pyramid scheme? Ha, 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 ha. Do you think we should take a break? I because think we it's should. Like, uh, yeah, we've gone hard on this. Uh, 
check so yourself. To those who are listening to us, we are listing all the things that made us scratch our head when we first got here to the United States. And we're going to take a break. Everyone, that was our talented Lilia and Chabon and Chabon, Allegiance producer. You are listening to District Durkas, and we are here in Washington, D.C., in Adams Morgan specifically, and this is full service radio. So, a Durka from Yemen, that's me, Sama, and a Durka from Algeria, that's Lilia. Aloha. We are getting together every week to decipher the Middle Eastern experience in the capital of the United States. And actually, this week, we are deciphering the opposite. We are deciphering the American experience from the perspective of Middle Easterners. But usually, our topics include feminism, sexism, terrorism, absolutism, atheism, monotheism, socialism, etc. And all the prisms and schisms in between. So thank you guys for tuning back in. We were talking about things that made us scratch our heads and made us kind of raise an eyebrow and wonder what is America about and what is Washington, D.C. about and things that made us feel a little bit out of the norm, I would say. Totally out of the norm, especially when you go to a a college basketball event. I felt completely... You went to those? Yes, so to... um, to kill time, I applied to GW for a semester while I was waiting for a response from, you know, the UK. And I went to my first basketball game. And mind you, the team is called the Colonials. Yes, that so, is my team. That is my alma mater. No. And we are the colon. We colonize. Hell Everything, no. you know, honestly, no. as much as I love my university, the naming of it is so disturbing on so many levels. I mean, George Washington is yes a recognized and amazing american president but he was someone who had slaves and then you look at the title of the team as the colonials and you know being part of a colonized part of the world it's, yes it's but blood boiling i was like how how is that legal how is that possible how can you how is that a thing to i mean be we're the also colonials? in the area where they have the redskins um so yes. i mean i guess that is an impression that you are meant to take of America when you first visit is, you know, they're not politically correct. But they are, though. But that's the no, thing. Because when I you mean, go- isn't, isn't President Trump all about, you know, being against political correctness and majority of the people who support him are sick of political correctness? Exactly, because it exists. I mean, they are in the front, forefront of a lot of very astute conversations about, you know, being inclusive. Mm-hmm. So there's that. We can't deny that. But there's also the other side, which is having colonials as your mascot and and giving me this towel so it was a towel with the, the colonial as though i want to you know mind you basketball this. teams are also tend to be like and a then, lot of them tend to be black so, so i went there and i felt like i was not 
fascist gathering or convention. Everybody was doing things on cue, like getting up, uh, waving the towel. I don't know where I was. I don't know if they were making me a Manchurian candidate or dumbing me down to my, like, you know, my one-cell level. It was really weird. I had to leave. I was actually... I. I left very dramatically. So many things were offensive about it. And so I went to a school with like a lesser basketball culture. And then I felt more like, oh, this is more like the American All movies right. about... Can I tell you how spoiled we were? A boy's cute in the team. But this was very odd. This was like brainwashing odd. The basketball game, college. No, it's, it's the, the us mentality. It's not that different from wanting to be part of a soccer team. It's people who support Real Madrid and Barcelona referring to the teams as we won last night. But and that's we so did chaotic. This. But that's so chaotic. No, the college thing was very on cue. There were cues for it's, when it's you get up, when you, when you yeah, scream. No, she's right, though. College basketball is particularly weird. Well, let me tell you about my first experience with college basketball, oddly with the same university and the same team. It's, uh, I mean, I never really went to any of the games besides the one that I was kind of sent into as a freshman. And um, during inauguration time, they took us out there. And, and this court, by the way, was fantastic. Like, I couldn't believe that the university could afford something like that. They had screens everywhere. They would uh, write in the screen what, you, what reaction you're supposed to have. It was extremely high-tech and extremely well-funded, which isn't shocking for George Washington University. But... We, I mean, the, one of the shocks to me was that the basketball team was actually a basketball team size, meaning that the girls were like six feet and taller, which I thought was kind of awesome. You know, it wasn't kind of like a middle school, let's play basketball thing. And everybody's kind of like, you know, really short and it doesn't work out that way. So it was like a legit team. And they took effort to bring these guys together and they recruited some students to the university just so they can play on the team. So it was like a very serious thing. But, um, you know, they said hi to the freshmen and everything, introduced who the team is. They, they did all of that. And then they threw a surprise party for the students. And this went in totally over my head. Um, I think it, they brought in a rapper called Trey Song. I don't know. There's like a rapper that came in. Yeah, Trey Song. <laughs> and um, like two rappers came in and performed. And they like came in the middle and it was a surprise for the freshman students and the freshmen. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, my God, they brought us real singers and real like this is a real performance. And all the students, there were like, yay, hooray, whatever. We don't care. Let's go. And I was like, what is going on here? And it was just kind of odd, too, because like they were all the majority of, you know, of course, you have like the, the eight students and the students who are there, like because they were you know they weren't wealthy and they actually worked their way into school but GW is one of the schools where the Nova Rishas of the United States and the world go to and so a lot of those students were just like oh those rappers are wasting our time we need to get out of here and I'm walking out and I'm just like what is this real what is the school about and what is not much I mean honestly it was it was interesting and and nobody was excited so I I walked out of there being like I shouldn't tell anyone about this because nobody cared <laughs> like I I can't be as excited as I as they wanted us to be. Like it was, we we expected it. You know, the GW students deserve this. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I yeah, I walked out of it like I was breaking up with the school. I knew it was done. I don't know. I I knew it was. I done. like the school. And I like that it's urban. That's what I dislike about it. Like I didn't come from, you know, urban like very dense cities to not have my, you know, American quad with people playing frisbee. No. Not. I don't know. What I don't like about GW is the economic discrepancy between the students. I think that was, you know, it was between the really elite of the world and then people who are in the Navy and part of them joining the military was that they go to the school. And I thought it was, it was like the, 
the differences between these two groups were very obvious and the discrimination was real, like economic discrimination. Yeah, it's a very reasonable reason to uh, dislike the school. I just want green grass and what was promised to me in all those movies. So how is that you in comparison? Oh my goodness, it's an arboretum. <laughs> But quickly on athletes, and I say this, I'm going to say it, what's up with the socks and the flip-flops? What's up with that? I, I don't understand that either. But then when I say that to other people, they're like many cultures, no. you know, do it. No. So no, no, nobody. I mean, flip-flops by nature, the way that they're designed are meant to be held by toes. And you can't really <laughs> maneuver your toes when you're wearing socks. So that's all I say. And what's up with the milk too? Milk? Yes. Milk at every meal. Oh, uh, that, that I can. I mean, I don't know if everybody does it, but I, I think milk is. Why milk are is you drinking like, milk for dinner? Because it puts you to sleep. When you're done growing your bones, what are you doing? They're, I mean, I think they're trying to sell that milk. And so they made it like some sort of a cultural norm for families to have. Or maybe it was something from when they were conquering the land and they needed like strength. And so, it, you know, it trickled down to now. But I don't understand the obsession with the milk. I just think everybody needs to get their own sheep or cow and just milk it fresh. You know, I just don't even think humans are supposed to have that much milk. No, they're not. Apparently, they're not. They're the only mammals who continue to drink milk past a specific age. But, you know, we break the rules. We deserve it. And something that I noticed actually like super freaking kudos, like first year that I was here is the, um, the sidewalks. The fact that there's a passageway for uh, disabled people. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I, that's, that's awesome. Really like, yeah. nobody, like no countries has I, that. I agree. I think the Middle East is a place where they don't take the disabled into consideration a lot. A lot of the buildings are not wheelchair accessible. They don't, you know, but I think the reason they are this way in the United States is because there are rules that enforce it. And I think that's what's lacking is, is law enforcement. Yeah, you want to want to have that rule. And that's what I commend. It's like to want to make this accessible and to make it happen. And in things that didn't happen, the tipping That's something I didn't know because when you were in France or England or Algeria, whatever, like when you tip, it's, uh, it's, you're being gracious. Yeah, you don't have to. Already, it's not a must. So the first time I, you know, had anything, uh, where was I? Cheesecake Factory. So I went with my That's friend Nasser. very Nassar. American. <laughs> so yeah. I went with my friend Nasser and we had lunch and the bill comes and we're feeling so gracious that we left $3. That's Mind you, not we're <laughs> <laughs> but but it does sound like cheese factory, <laughs> like that that kind of. So we're thinking we're being like big lords, like princes and princesses, like leaving three dollars. And the guy comes back and he's like, "Did I do anything wrong?" Was he actually confronted you. He confronted us. Very brave man. Good I was man. a kid. He freaking scared me. I was like, "Good man." But the thing is, because we had no idea what we had done wrong, we confidently told him, "No, it was great." It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. We had a good time. And was like, oh, yeah? All right. Okay. I, I agree. Tipping is one of the things that you got to know about. But that's why I Google it before I go to any country. Never again. Never again. I was a teenager. Never again. But just saying, like, all the foreigners who come here and don't tip, we know you know. I don't know. They I don't know. know. I don't know. Because, you know, before I travel somewhere, I read, time. I read, you know, they go to, you know, TripAdvisor or something. I'm like, how's the tipping? What restaurants to go to? What sites to visit? And... Some cultures don't tip. Some cultures do. Yeah, but what I mean, if I could figure it out as a kid, like going to Cheesecake Factory, I think that these veterans of D.C. who come in, in you know, World Bank missions or whatever it is, no, they're just but being... But isn't that crazy they're that... They're just being short. That waiters in America, like servers, are only paid 
tip plus, I don't know, like some sort of symbolic amount. Isn't that crazy? I don't think it's crazy. I think a lot of people from Europe try to come here to make that money. No, but no, no. But here's the thing. In, in Europe, they can be rude to you, you know, because they don't want to work for your tip. They have a salary and they have a healthcare program that's taking care of them. While the majority of the people in the serving industry here don't have health insurance or necessarily like they can be fired on the spot. They don't have any job security. They don't have salaries. It's a little ridiculous. Well, I'm not staging a cold war here between socialism and like ruthless capitalism. I think there's like a... Take a it up with Bernie Sanders. Exactly. Well, he got taken out. By the um, way, they were discussing him rerunning pretty soon. I don't know if he should run again. I mean, I love Bernie Sanders, but I don't know if it's if it's appropriate given what I'm not going to pronounce <laughs> myself on here. that, but I'm going to take you down a path that I hope I mean people understand that these are generalization and this is for the sake of it I'm saying this out of fun this is not spit it out I know but okay so something that I think is awesome awesome and great and amazing and at the same time not so much for other reasons is how people are very open with their feelings and emotions oh yeah and okay so, I see where you're taking yeah, this yeah but alright so people really detail their emotions and feelings and they're entitled to like express them and everything, which I think is great. Hence the term TMI. Yes, but I think it's great to get to that level of, you know, your feelings mattering and, and you feeling like you should, ex- you know, detail them. Um, Do you think that's also related to a specific gender or like a, not gender? Yeah, I would say gender. No, so we're, we're taking out of my equation anything that's, you know... Uh, medically like related to anything to to any medical condition i'm really talking about someone who's talking about their feelings and i feel like there's a big focus on self-diagnosing yourself like people do it that overly that's so but that's kind of like that's self-awareness so yes no but when you do it excessively and becomes crippling sometimes so this is why it's crippling it's not the fact that you're you know expressing how you're feeling but i feel like coupled with this culture of performance and being happy and having fun which is big pillars in america is to have fun is, is to i know be it's, it's and, too much and so when you have That's feelings like and friends, feelings are sad. not always positive feelings and then you have to be like hyper performant or you know you know the stressing of being happy of you know not being negative and i feel like in other countries like positive vibes other more nuanced feelings like melancholy being depressed have been glorified by literature it's something that you go through like melancholy is a cool thing in germany hence it's the decay of philosophy in the united embrace. states so it's like this self awareness is cool but then when when it's not backed up by any kind of existent existentialism yeah that is found in other cultures that you know sells you through the it can lead to suppression so it's like, yeah, very an overture with feelings and emotion, but then it sometimes leads to emotions being shunned upon because so, they're so let's, to be positive. So let's break it down. You're saying that Americans... Have not to- Americans. I've noticed that in some cases... <laughs> okay, so she's making it very vague. She's not generalizing. You're saying that people express their feelings only when it's, neg- when it's positive, but when it's negative, they tend to suppress these feelings because it's viewed as abnormal and there's no room for anguish. No, I'm saying they're exposing all kinds of feelings. They're always talking about anxiety or happiness. Or, and there's like a very useful terminology that comes out of it, like boundaries and, and space and all these things that I personally didn't know until I came here. Like before I just endured it. But ah. coming here, I'm like, yeah, that's a nifty term. I see. But what I see, the backlash is not understanding that sometimes those feelings 
are okay. I feel like there's so much stress on having fun. Like people are always asking you, like, are you having fun? You know, the happiness, the being on top, the yeah. Sometimes it ends up being a pill when it's not needed. I so I mean, so I thought I thought you were going with this somewhere completely different no, than no. where you went. With I feel it. like the suppression sometimes of like you can. It's okay to talk about emotions, but then there are also words like, oh, she freaked out. This was awkward. Yeah. So it's, as long as you're just... You know, self-centered. Like, you have to censor yourself, right? Yes. Which is weird because at the same time, okay, they're so very let's, expressive let's with it. Okay, so let's put examples in it, right? Just to kind of put all it right. into context. So, for example, what I thought you were going to talk about, and this is not where you went at all, is people overshare. And I, a good perfect example of this is uh, a friend of mine that I haven't talked to in a while, when, without naming names, he was telling me about a trip he took. And, you know, he's so excited to tell me that he stopped in Sana'a Airport in Yemen while he was returning from Somalia to the United States. And the story was one of the most disturbing stories I've heard because he got ill on the plane and ended up having explosive diarrhea and vomiting. And the details of that story were definitely in the TMI category and was something that I could live my entire life without knowing. And I thought you were going to go in that direction where they share those intimate details with you where you're just like, I get it. You don't have to paint such a beautiful picture about it. Uh, but then you went another route, and that is censoring human sentiments where some are acceptable to show and others you must keep to yourself. And I think in that regard, what I can see a lot of times, and it's something that I had to learn to do in my interpersonal relationships, is to contain my emotions and not necessarily express how I feel just because it won't be socially acceptable. And is that where you're going with the, the next it's one? It's more like, I applaud the overshare. I think the overshare is great. To want to identify what you're going through is great. And I think a lot of culture need to learn from that. It's only when it's juxtaposed to a culture that presses on performance and being happy that it becomes problematic. If you're oversharing your feelings then all of them should be accepted. But the problem is like you're only o oversharing them to suppress them in some cases, in some cases. Give us an For example instance, like, of one of the cases. Well, when my brother came here, mm -hmm. he started, you know, apparently he couldn't focus and started taking Adderall, which I don't think he actually needed. Ah. But there was the need to be at a certain level of performance and being focused. And so these things are available. That's what I mean. It's like, well, maybe you're scattered. Maybe you need to look into another domain that catches your interest. It's like the jumping to suppression instead of, well, maybe I'm not interested because it's not interesting or I'm, I'm going at it the wrong way. Well, let me tie it to something that we talked about in the first section, which is where I feel like as you know, if we are wearing our anthropology hats and we are approaching the American culture, I can say very confidently that capitalism has hijacked a huge part of my study, at least in the sense that if you're not feeling well, there's a pill for that. And if you are anxious, there's this. And I think it, you know, this, this kind of societal behavior that you're describing is in essence working to the advantage of medicine makers and to the drug industry in general. And I think ultimately there's, there's a lot to say, and I think a lot of Americans are aware of this, about where the society is, is moving forward to. And with that, I think we have come towards the end of our show today. Because I'm no happy. Hugs. No hugs. <laughs> come along. Da, 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 I, da, by da, the da. way, I do not like that song. I don't like that it yeah, became well, a manifestation. See, that's what happens when despondency is way too celebrated. This is like the flip side. 
take me the to France. Side. Take me the way you talk about France is we can have a, a cup of coffee together and hate each other without having to talk to each other. It can be as bitter as coffee, and it's so cool. Yeah, you it's know? cool. But I also like the whole like have fun and happy and do you party, which at first I thought was party in the USA. The first like <laughs> bless his soul, Nate. First day in college, he was like, "Do you party?" And I had no idea what he meant. I was like, "Yeah, of course I party." Apparently, party is like lingo for doing drugs. Ah, it's not like do you celebrate? Are you like yeah, enthusiastic? That's always how I understood it too, though. <laughs> <laughs> but so he was like, "Do you party?" We're like, "Yeah." And then I he, love dancing. So <laughs> then he pulled out all the things. I was like, "No, no, 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 that's not what I meant. I just meant I like music and dancing." But yeah. Well. And on this partying note. Thank you guys for a tuning in. Note. This was a venting episode and this is District Darkas. Yes, see us next week and come surf with us on Full Service Radio. See ya. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at Full Service RDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.